hey, it's Vadim. You know, Ben and I take a fair amount of time each week to make this podcast. It's definitely a labor of love. If you guys appreciate what we do, if you if you like this podcast, the best way you can support us right now is to tell your friends about it and leave us a review, which takes less than a minute of your time. Just go to the show notes, click on the leave a review, a rating button. You'll see it'll be the first link in the show notes. And leave us a rating. This, first of all, makes us feel really good, makes us want to keep going. Also, it helps us expand our reach, which means we can bring you guys more free goodies and more content that helps you get better recordings. We have a really great episode today with TJ and Greg from Musician Indie Coalition. Musician Indie Coalition is all about helping DIY musicians basically get their act together and make sustainable careers out of being musicians and doing what they love. Uh, You'll hear on this episode that Greg and TJ have really a wealth of experience in the music industry. They've worked for and continue to work for uh, a label. Um, They've worked with Nile Rodgers. You'll definitely enjoy their story there. If you're on Instagram, you've probably noticed that There's a lot of accounts that are kind of offering social media help and promotion help. Uh, The reason I reached out to these guys was because of the the quality of some of their their videos. Um, And you'll hear it in this episode that that Greg and TJ have a way of explaining things in a kind of a condensed way or defining things in a way that all of a sudden just clicks and seems obvious. Seems like you should have been able to come up with that on your own, but for some reason you didn't. And uh, having gotten to know them over the past couple of weeks, I can definitely say that, uh, first of all, they have a wealth of knowledge and they have a really clean way of communicating that knowledge. I've been checking out uh, some of their courses online as well. I really believe in, in the work they're doing. I think it's it's valuable work. What they're doing also is is building a community of DIY musicians that support each other in a variety of ways. So it's more than just about the content they're creating to educate people, they're also building a strong community. Towards the end of the episode, you'll hear that they generously offered free access to our listeners of something they call the Signature Sales Story, which is a series of videos that will help you develop develop something called a Signature Sales Story, and you'll hear all about that in this episode. I've checked out uh, this uh, series of videos, and I can tell you that it's it's very cool. Uh, definitely had a face face palm moment for me. I was like, oh yes, that makes sense. You'll hear some of that in this episode as well. As if that wasn't generous enough, they're also offering a free one-hour consultation to anyone listening to this who emails them at uh, contact at musicianindiecoalition.com. Of course, all of the links to the, the free signature sales story as well as this email address will be in the show notes. Enjoy the episode. You're listening to the DIY Recording Guys podcast, your one-stop information source for DIY music production, with your hosts, Fadim Karaz and Benjamin Hall. All right, Greg and TJ, welcome to the DIY Recording Guys podcast. Thank you. Really appreciate being here. Hello. Thank you for having us. You guys are based in... You guys are both based in New York City, is that right? Yes, it's a uh, it's it's an amazing experience being able to live in New York, and um, I've been here for about 
I guess a little over seven years living right in Manhattan, um, but we're also both originally from Jersey. Why don't we start with having you just introduce yourselves, how you ended up starting MIC, which is what you guys spend most of your time doing now. And yeah, basically what was the idea behind it and how you came to do what you do today? All right. TJ, do you want me to take this? <laughs> uh, well, right, I want so to hear both of your great. stories. At least. <laughs> <laughs> both our stories. Well, yeah. It's funny because our, our stories are very okay, similar. Okay. <laughs> uh, we, we worked, our career trajectory is the exact same. I was just right behind Greg. I was falling in his wake the whole way. So everything he says is I was right gotcha, behind Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So, yeah. And I'll bring that now that he's ruined the ending. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, spoiler alert. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so my name's Greg and this is TJ and we are the co-founders of Musician Indie Coalition. And um, we've been working in the industry for about 15 years. We both got our start working for Nile Rodgers, um, who is a Hall of Fame, Grammy Award winning producer, musician, composer, has done just about everything in the industry. Um, and we had the honor of working for him for a really long time. Uh, we both started off in the same job. So I started before TJ did, and TJ replaced me as I progressed up the ladder in Niall's organization. Um, but basically how it worked out was I just started as an unpaid intern, you know, doing unpaid intern things like fetching coffee and stuff. But it was more than that. It was just like, hey, can you book travel for an entire tour with 15 people and, you know, booking agents and all this stuff? I'm like, uh, I haven't even done a spreadsheet before but sure i'll figure that out so that was <laughs> that was that was how i started like day one and uh it was just a really amazing experience being able to work for that side of the company because um nile has a production end of his business which handles his tours and his entrepreneurial stuff and then he has a record label um which focuses on video game soundtracks so we both started mm. off working on the production and thing so doing all the personal assistant work, doing all production. Um, I got, we got to do things like work on, you know, um, musical concerts. And that was one of the best experiences of my life was doing a six week concert out in the middle of the Hamptons for the summer with Prince and Billy Joel and Dave Matthews. And that was like wow. my first real music industry moment. Um, and it was a moment for me that kind of made my career. Cause I went out there as this kind of an office intern. Um, I had quit my good paying insurance job to go out there and take a temporary six week uh, job working for this concert industry, gave up my apartment, moved home with my mom so I can go do that for the summer. And the person that had handled the uh, coordination for the travel messed up some of the travel for Prince's band and got demoted from that position. And because we were out in the middle of nowhere, I got promoted to travel coordinator and just wound up coordinating the rest of that five, six week concert Jeez. series. And it was amazing um but that landed me a full-time job working for nile because i helped save um you know them a, a lot of money and a lot of problems with that event um so i spent the next couple of years working on just doing a whole bunch of shows for him and then eventually when i was brought on full-time the ceo of the company said that well hey if you're going to hire you full-time we want you to start learning the record label and for nice. me it was really fortunate because it was just like when I went over there, they, they were doing video game soundtracks, which at the time was just like, what are you doing? I don't even know what that means. I'm like, who wants to listen to video game music? Um, but then when I heard the, the music and the scores, it was absolutely amazing. Amazing music, amazing composers. Um, and it was like an unknown genre. And like, how often do you get to work on an unknown genre in the industry? So mm. I got really excited about it. And I got even more excited about it when I went to the president of our company and I was just like, hey, are you guys selling music 
digitally. And I'm like, I th- you know, yeah, we think someone's doing something on iTunes. And I'm just like, you guys need to be selling music digitally. And I got kind of like a giggle. And like, well, sure, if you want to look into that. <laughs> this was like, I want to say this was like 2010. So it was just when okay. digital was becoming like big. But yeah, like yeah. physical was still like right. physical was like 90% of the business that they did. Um, so it was just massive. And they were all old school record industry guys. Like the, the president of our company had run Warner Brothers sales for like the East Coast for like 30 years. So like he mm. just, you know, he knew, that was the business that he knew. Um, so they were like, yeah, sure. If you want to look into that, you can figure that out. And like within <laughs> like a year and a half, um, you know, we, I turned the digital apartment into like 90% of the revenue that the company was making. And that wow. solidified my position over there. Um, so when they asked me to come over and run digital operations, that was when TJ took over my other job, which was, you know, being personal assistant and assisting, you know, Niall and his executive assistant, Suze. Um, so he kind of like did all that stuff so I could move on. And then after about a year being there, um, it was expanding so fast. I needed someone that could help me that was reliable and that knew video games. And TJ was really good at that. Um, and so I secretly stole him away from Mm. that and it was it was you know the crazy thing was is like it wasn't like an instant instant partnership where we're just like you know this is perfect for each other it was just like it was interesting because he just kind of completed all the all the flaws that i had like he was really good at so many different things that i just was not into and you know, it, it was something that kind of developed over time. And I remember to this day, we were out on our first business trip with each other and he, not a big talker, as you can tell, <laughs> but really, really, really great guy. And we sat down for our end of, you know, um, vac- end of like business conference talk and we're having a drink and he's like, you know, there's no reason why we can't do this ourselves. We should just see if we can make a maneuver and take over the company. This is crazy. Awesome. Like, you know, they're not really putting that much effort in there. I and mean, this was like, you know, like you know, we were there for another seven years. And I just kind of looked and like, who is this kid? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and seven years later, awesome. it's pretty much what, it's pretty much what wound up happening seven years later. Like Niall decided that he didn't want to, you know, work in game soundtracks anymore. Want to focus on his career. Um, and we had, um, had already kind of been working on musician indie coalition and we took over the label. Um, so that's, so we actually run two businesses. We run the coaching business and that, um, but then the, you know, talk about what you asked for originally, which has MIC start. Um, there was a, a point where we were working for Niles company where, you know, Niles career took off again. Like he was, um, working with Daft Punk on the get lucky album and he co-wrote it and that album was just absolutely explosive at one best album and among other things and his career just re just ignited all over again um so he was touring and producing and doing everything under the sun he just you know just didn't have the resources to really kind of add to the label as it was progressing and so it just kind of like you know being a small company he just started reallocating a lot of his stuff to support his career, which you know makes complete sense in all the world because that's what that's what was big and what was bringing in the most amount of money. But for TJ and I, who have a lot of ambition, like we had just taken his label and really built it into you know the video game powerhouse of like the industry. There was no other label that could even do what we were doing. We were the number one record label in the world for video game soundtracks, and we had basically a monopoly over the majority of the major franchises. And then they just 
really stop putting effort into it. Like we, at the time, were talking about starting to do vinyl when vinyl was just getting big. And if we had hit that curve, we would have just continued our swing up. But they just kind of pulled some stuff back from that. And once they kind of didn't put as much effort in there, TJ and I lost a lot of interest. And we decided mm. to, you know, hey, what do we do? You know, and TJ looked at me, he's like, so what do we do? I'm like, I think we try to come up with our own idea and like try to make our own business. Like, you know, it's been great working here, but like at the end of the day, he and I both wanted to see what we could do on our own without, you know, Nile, sure. without, you know, the, the company over us. So we had started to research like, what do you want to do? I mean, we've worked in such a niche industry for a while. We could do just about anything. And we tried, you know, we, we had an original idea that was not even close to Mike, um, MIC. Uh, it was, you know, just like this weird collaboration platform, but it actually was something we wound up later on incorporating to what we're doing. Um, but long story short, um, you know, we had gone on a journey to kind of figure out what it was we wanted to do. And, you know, we came back to music and he and I just looked at like the industry as a whole and, you know, everything's been done. But the one area that we felt really needed help was independent musicians. You know, he and I are both musicians, our friends are musicians and, you know, they have, there's such, such amazing musicians out there that are just never getting heard. Um, and we felt that was because, not because of their, their, their music skills, just because of their business skills. You mm. know, in today's industry, you can build a, a career on your own, um, but you do need to have the knowledge for how to actually go about doing that. And we want to take, you know, what we learned and, you know, put that into um, some sort of a program or system that would help musicians. And that's kind of where the idea for what we did started. Um, you know, there was some, you know, cool other backstory stuff of like how we kind of came up with the premise, you know, for it. But that's the gist of it. It was just, you know, we saw a need and we knew that we could fix it as as weird as that sounds fixing a problem with you know that no one's been able to fix really quite yet um but we just we what we really believed in was that you know musicians need personal attention so we started off with the business coaching aspect of that being able to um, work one-on-one -on -one with artists and talk to them and kind of hear what their problem is and have you know our expert opinions and experience kind of guide them through the journey and then after working with enough musicians we realized there here are just certain fixed things that everyone needs to do and everyone needs to mm. know um, and we slowly just kind of developed that into a step-by-step -step program um, where it's like here this is how this is what you need to do in what order to set up your career and be prepared for success and then this is how you actually go about developing your own career in a way that will be appealing to people and you know increase your chances of success you can never guarantee success but you can sure. you know increase the increase everyone's chances and stop them from making the common mistakes that most musicians make yeah that's Man, that's a really cool origin story. And I <laughs> it's funny to think about like like Niall's career. Like I had no idea about the the video game label stuff. I mean, I just and it's funny to to, to hear you say that, like, you know, his career was reignited because I think he had like number one hits with a band oh God, before yeah. and that with a band that broke up before I was born. <laughs> basically. And then that was just the start of it for him. So that's uh that's a really amazing story. So TJ, I have to ask you about, you know, when Greg says that you knew the video game side of things, is that is he talking about from personal experience? Are you uh are you a gamer as well? Uh, I am a gamer and and when I when I came over there and I just happened to like follow all the news, like I really nerd out on the industry news okay. and all that kind of thing. So like I came in and I just knew all the players and all the upcoming games and I was like, Are you guys 
pursuing this, you know, album, you know, and, and, and everyone was like, no, we've never heard of that. And I was like, okay, well, so it was a perfect fit. You know, it's like, I just came in there and I happened to know everything already. So we just started running with it. Say something quickly about, cause I, I figured you guys doing what you do. I figured you were at least hobbyist musicians, but just say, say a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, well, I was probably just about a year away from finishing college. Um, and my hundred thousand dollar degree education when I decided like, and I don't want to be a psych major anymore. I want to do music, which thrilled my parents um, <laughs> to no mm, end. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I just, I, I, I just, I, I couldn't keep doing it. So I dropped out and I went to recording school um, to learn engineering because I figured I should learn some sort of thing in the industry. And I, you know, graduated that and that was amazing. Um, and then, you know, what wound up happening with me, um, I was kind of really lost because, like, how do you get into the industry? It's really not an easy thing to do. It's not yeah. easy to make money. It's not easy to find a job. Um, and I remember coming in for an open mic one night because one of my friends was like, go to an open mic. You know, that would be a good start. And I went into an open I went to, to see two or three open mics. And it was just, at the time, really sad and pathetic. It was like four or five musicians there and their one girlfriend. And like, it was like, like this cannot be the New York music scene that I've heard of. And <laughs> I felt so defeated, you know, from this big moment. And I remember leaving and like, there was just some like newspapers and some pamphlets by the door. And like, I'm going to grab this stuff. I'll look at it. Maybe there'll be something in that. And so I grab all this stuff. I come home and like about a week or two later, I come across a pile of stuff and I'm just like, let me look through it. And there just happened to be this article in there um, and, and there was this little ad that said, you know, Grammy award winning professor and teacher, um, you know, professional class for students in arts development. I'm just like, all right, I'll, maybe I'll, maybe I'll call that. So I wound up calling, um, up this number and it was for a woman named Ann Ruckert. And this was the very first human being on the face of planet that ever really physically changed my life. Um, and she was just a spitfire. I mean, she was really just energetic and, you know, she invited me into her class and she was a, a old school record industry person, musician, you know, jazz, very hard nosed practice every day kind of a person. And, you know, she kind of took me under her wing with the class that she was putting together. Um, and it was intense because we, I got there and it was a class of really just amazing musicians. Um, it had like, really weird people not weird but like you know the prince of austria was in our class it wasn't just like these like you know no name like independent musicians there was like really amazing musicians and i that's not where i was at at that point in time i was just more songwriter than musician and it was really scary to see what these students could do from the singing and the sight reading and all this stuff um but I like that. Like, I like being challenged like that. So I stayed with that. And she's like, I have one rule. It was a four hour class every single Saturday. She's like, you can't be late for a, a single session and you can't miss a class. If you do, I'll never work with you again. Um, and you need to do that for at least like, you know, six to, you know, you know, six weeks to, you know, eight weeks. And I'm like, and I didn't miss a class for a single year or late. And that's actually how I got my job working for Nile. Um, because she was a very well-respected, she's, person in the industry and a lot of people will call her for recommendations and when um you know nile executive assistant Suze reached out to her and said hey you, you play this for our last intern we need another person like who would you recommend mm. um she recommended me and i remember her i remember her calling me up for the for the thing she's like i have two possible job interviews for you you interested i'm like i'm like i'm I'm like, I'm working at an insurance company in the mailroom. Yeah, I'm interested. What is it? And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, you can work. Yeah, I have a possible internship. It doesn't pay anything, but you have a possible internship working for Nile Rogers. Or 
uh, having a personal assistant job that where you could be working for Roberta Flack. And I'm just like, she's like, you don't know who they are, do you? I'm like, I'm no. She's like, hang up the phone, Google them, then call me back. And so <laughs> I, I, I did that. And I was like, I was blown away because both artists obviously are amazing. Um, and I'm like, I am so sorry. She's like, okay. She's like, here's what you need to do. Let me know which one you're interested in. Um, and so like I, I chose the Nile one because it was you know, in line more with like what I was, I was looking for. I was looking to learn the business end of things. And then he also had a charity foundation that that also appealed to me as well. Um, but that's kind of where my music career kind of was like taking off in that area. I so wanted were you to actually, this is like an in, a class for instrumentalists or was it like the business side of things? It was a class. It was, it was, no, it was, it taught everything. It was primarily to learn musicianship skills. So it was like, you know, she would, what was your you, instrument? I play guitar. Okay. So I play guitar and I write, and that's primarily, I, I consider myself to be more of a songwriter than artist, but at the time I was still looking for like the artist, you know, side gotcha. of things. So it, it was very much like learning, you know, note taking, like literally like writing out music notes and rhythms and all the theory, all the vocal training. Like she was basically training us to be a professional musician and not just like an artist musician, like someone that could walk into a session and sight read stuff on the go and which was very intimidating because i just didn't even think that was super possible. intimidating yeah yeah and because she worked with some of the best musicians in the world and like you know when you would sit with these people and just be like oh my god i can't believe you can do that and it's just like yeah that's what real musicians can do and it, it was yeah. it's very humbling <laughs> it makes you want to practice every time you meet someone that's really good it makes you want to practice and that's what i kind of loved you know about the whole experience with her what about you tj what do you play uh, I play guitar and I sing and I write. Um, I've played in bands since I was in high school and uh, I still play in one um, with my sister and my friends. And uh, I, I'm always hesitant, I'll give you the name I'm always hesitant to because we do, I, I always say to our clients, like, do as I say, not as I do, <laughs> because <laughs> I'm guilty of all of the pitfalls <laughs> that we tell them to avoid. Yeah. You know, in, far, in terms of like not promoting well and, you know, because I'm just a hobbyist, you know, I just do it for sure. fun. Um, but we're called Nobody's Sheriff. Um, we're online and stuff, but all, my music right now is really old. We're currently recording uh, an album, though, and I'm, I'm really happy nice. with it. So that, that's something to look forward They're to. They're good. Yeah. <laughs> They're really good. <laughs> it's always exciting to work on new music in the studio. That's probably a good place to start as we're 22 minutes in already. But this is something that <laughs> I'm glad you said, you know, do as I say, not as I do, because I have the same problem as well. We're like, we teach stuff you know in, in on this podcast our audience is prim primarily interested in improving the technical their technical abilities in getting their songs recorded and for me this this journey of like recording music and the technical side of it and learning it was so exhaustive that for years and years every time i would finish a song i would you know quote unquote release it out into the world like no promotion <laughs> no marketing nothing and then just hope for the best. And like, you know, three of my friends would listen to the first half of the album. And I found that to be like super frustrating and super exhausting. So I think people focused on the technical side of things. If you want your music to make an impact, you know, this stuff that we're going to be talking about is very important to you. And so, you know, I, I guess maybe I'll ask you, what would you say to artists who just who say like, well, I'm going to focus on my craft. I want to just get the music out there and kind of let it speak for itself. 
that is everyone's strategy and it doesn't work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's that is what every musician says to us and we we just try and remind them that that isn't it, it didn't work last time and it's not going to work next time. And why doesn't it work? It's because I mean you you put so much effort into this and so much of your heart into it but you have to remember that not everyone first of all not everyone everyone loves music but not everyone loves music like you do as a musician they don't they don't know how much work goes into it right. and they, it's just like they're hearing it for the first time and then that's it and it's in one ear out the other what what we tell them is you have to focus on emotion um it, it, you're not going to get anyone involved without pulling on their heartstrings in one way or another whether that be in the in the promotion or the music video or something but like the layman needs context to your lyrics they mm. can't read into your lyrics like like other musicians do or other songwriters do you know if you want to have an effect on somebody you need to put your song into an emotional context and present it that way or that's why soundtracks you know that's why our video game soundtracks that they do so well if a, if, if a song gets picked up by a movie or a TV show that song will see incredible sales because the, the everyday person the non-musicians are presented it in an emotional context they relate that song to that scene that they just mm. watched or that um, good time that they were having I mean it's without that it, there's no power in music for someone that's not intrinsically interested in what's in the music right itself. So you're saying create an emotional context outside of the song outside of the music is kind of what you need in order to give the song context or framework right yeah and you need to start that early you need to start that before you release it because they need to be ready to hear it. They need to be, their hearts need to be open by the time it releases or it's just, again, it's just a song that's, that's out there, you know? Mm. There's millions of songs. You need to make them care about your song and care about you. You mentioned, you know, you have to even kind of lead up to the release and you have to kind of keep them involved the whole step of the way. I guess expand on that a little bit. Where does that start and what does it look like? From the day you pick up the guitar and you start writing that first chord, until the day the album is out there. What are some of the things you should be doing? It's different for every artist, but I mean, what you're, what you're essentially you're trying to do as an independent musician is you're trying to involve your audience in the story of your career. So it's not just about the music because the music by itself, unfortunately, isn't going to be enough to hold people's attention, no matter how good it is. There is just way too much content out there in the world and everything's a video and everything's, you know, just there's just too much content out there to hold people's attention. What holds people's attention is like what TJ was saying. It's the story behind you and your career. So when you're looking to get that going, um, you need to figure out for yourself how how soon you want to be sharing. And we do recommend from the get-go. So like, hey, I have a great idea for a song. Maybe you play just a few licks of it, like, and then you share it with your immediate fan base or you maybe you share a lyric for something that you wrote today and say, latest lyric from my song. You know, I'm still working on it. What do you think? And just, and I mean, it's just to kind of get feedback on it. But like, if you can involve your audience through the creative process, it will just it just helps them get emotionally into it. So maybe that they give a suggestion that you, you keep, or maybe they, they like the line, or maybe they're just into the story behind the song that you're creating. That way, by the time you actually get to the point where you're releasing it, you now have created interest from your fan base. Um, so they want to hear the song, and it, it's not just something, hey guys, wrote this song, lyric, you know, it comes out in two days. 
Like how many artists do that? My single drops in four days. It doesn't mean anything. It, it's, it's a single. There's a million songs out there every single day. There are more songs in the world than there was the day before. And it's just right. a fact of life. Um, so what separates your song from everyone else's it's you, it's who you are. It's the story behind the song. It's the story behind your career, what you want to do. And if people can connect with that, um, because at the end of the day, that's what people are looking for. People are looking for a story they can connect with, whether that's on one of, you know, Netflix or one of the TV series out there or on YouTube or from their latest artists. And like, if you think about your favorite artists, the ones that you really connect with are the ones that you feel you have certain things in common with or things that you can identify with. And, you know, those are the key elements behind a musician that they need to communicate to their audience um, to get them to care about their release. Because that's when we started this business, that was the hardest thing. It wasn't it wasn't like, hey, you know, this is how you set your website up or, hey, this is how you you know, register your music. Those are all pretty much just like this is what you need to do. But how do you do how do you get a, someone that follows you on Instagram to eventually pay you money for your music. Like mm. that's hard. Like how do you get them from that casual follower to that financial supporter? Um, that took a while for us to kind of crack that code and figure that out. Um, and it's not an easy, it's not an easy process, but it is, there is a process for it that you need to understand and know how to do. And what moves your audience through that process is emotion. It is the emotional bond that you connect with them. It's like the difference between, you know, trying to sell something to your family or selling something, you know, as like, you know, to a complete stranger. Like, you know, you can't ask a stranger to help you move, but you can ask a family member. Same <laughs> right. premise with your audience. You need the same thing. Like you need somebody that, you need an audience that feels some sort of an emotional connection with you. Not everyone's gonna be your best friend, but some sort of an emotional connection. And that's the key thing. And the sooner you start in on that, when you're promoting a song or an album, the better off you're gonna be. Don't start a week before or two weeks before. I, I can't tell you the amount of artists that come to us. It's like, yeah, I need to work with you. I'm releasing my EP in two weeks. And I'm just like, great, have fun with that because we're not gonna be able to, we can help you release it, but no one's gonna listen to it. And mm -hmm. they don't understand why. And that's because you don't put the time in to build a relationship in advance. Like when you're at a live show and, and a musician starts the next song and they said, this song, I wrote this song because I was in this point in my life and I wrote it about this and it meant this to me. And then they start that song, the, the, it's, you could hear a pin drop and then they play the song and everyone hears, everyone already is caught up on wh what the song is about. So the first 10 lyrics aren't lost on them because they're already given a little context. And then by the chorus, they could be in tears. Whereas if you didn't set it up like that, it might take them the, the second chorus to really even understand what the song's mm. about and all that kind of thing. So, so you, you see the power in that because you see it at live shows all the time. So it's essentially how do you do that to your audience all the time in, in, in other mediums, in, in, in social media and through your newsletter and all that kind of thing. It's like not necessarily just tell the story of the song, but like how do you set, you know, present yourself in that way that they can understand and feel. And it's different for everyone. And it's, you know, it's different for the genre of music. It's different for the different audiences. But that's essentially what we're trying to get people to do. I love that. I think that that live music example really kind of sinks in with me. And I, and Greg, I saw you had a, a video on, on Instagram where you summarize something like, uh, paraphrase it here, you said, you know, fans don't really care what you're selling, they care why you're selling it. And I think that kind of speaks to this as well. It's, yeah. they care about your story, yeah. So you mentioned this, you know, 
cracking this code of how you have some followers on Instagram, how you actually get those people to to give you money. This is something I'm I always want to ask people that are doing what you guys are doing is in in 2020, what are even the the revenue streams for indie musicians? What should musicians look to be capitalizing on? Well, the three basic ones for most musicians are obviously selling music, um, playing live shows and merchandise. You know, those are the, those are the core things for independent musicians. Beyond that are the higher level ones, which would be things like crowdfunding, sponsorships, and then publishing. You know, in the pandemic, obviously live shows are a bit more difficult because you know you can't really go out and play places but this is a great opportunity for people to move their thing online so you know playing a live show online where you can connect with email addresses all that stuff is important and you can get people to buy tickets to shows that are online and also sell merch from your website and all that kind of stuff so you can make money still as a musician with the pandemic going on through that that thing um as far as sponsorships go um, as far as um, crowdfunding goes, you know, sites like Patreon, I think, are a really great opportunity mm. for artists to earn a steady paycheck. The reason why I say it's more of a high level, you know, in revenue stream is because you have to be turning out content on a consistent basis. You can't just, you know, say I'm going to put out an album every three years. You have to be releasing a song, you know, or something on a consistent basis for your audience to take part. Um, and right. then, you know, sponsorships and, and publishing are also two other, you know, interesting revenue streams. Sponsorships obviously will be directly related towards, you know, the size of your audience. Um, and publishing, publishing is a, a tricky one. Publishing is like, I feel like in our, in our world, people that do what we do are always touting, you know, about, you know, publishing you make thousands of dollars awesome great and it's true you can we work in publishing and licensing as part of our record label but it's not like it's not that easy to break into as an independent musician it's like getting signed by a record label mm. um you know you're, you're in competition with major artists that have their publishing divisions trying to pitch their songs you have professional composers and songwriters out there doing this for a living every single day fighting for it and then you have you know then you have all the other rest of independent musicians that are also trying to do it I'm I'm not saying you can't make money doing it. You can, but it's not something that's like, hey, I'm I'm gonna just you know dip my toe in music publishing and make some money. It's it's a commitment. It's it's as much of a commitment as becoming an artist. So um we typically, you know, don't recommend our artists getting involved in that too early. I mean, it could be something that you can place your music in like some music libraries that has a chance of being picked up, but if you really want to be you know, someone that makes money from publishing, then you have to really put some effort in there. Um, but I think the most interesting revenue streams that we've seen since we've been doing what we've been doing are the non-music revenue streams for musicians. Now, what I mean by that is, is most musicians aren't just musicians. They're musicians and actors. They're musicians and photographers. They're musicians and graphic artists. They do a lot of different things. And one mm. of the most exciting things and most unforeseen things that we found when we first started doing coaching was that our clients had other business ideas besides music that they really were passionate about. Um, for example, one of our clients, you know, as much as she's an amazing artist, she also, people love her posters that she was making for her band. And she's now turned that into a poster business that's a decent sized mm -hmm. revenue stream for her. Um, you know, we've had photographers and other people. So like there are other skill sets that you have as a human being and artist that will be of value to people. You just got to figure out what this. Sometimes it's recording. Sometimes it's producing. Sometimes it's singing in other people's albums. Um, but what we train our, our clients to do is to be entrepreneurs. 
So if you're good at doing something, you love doing it, even if it's not music based and it's part of your career, then do it. Like at the end of the day, if you can wake up every day and work for yourself, that's the key thing. So don't just yeah. look at your career from a musician standpoint. Look at it as a, I can do these things that I love doing and how do I turn that into a, a business? And there's always a way to do that. Gotcha. I definitely want to, I want to put a flag there because I definitely want to come back to that. But you mentioned the, the first revenue stream you mentioned was from recorded music. What does that look like today? Is that, are you talking about purely streaming or is like a physical sale still a thing? Is it band camp? What do you mean there? It doesn't look, it doesn't look good. I mean, if you want to really say from a music sales standpoint, I mean, like yeah. everyone's fighting over playlists and, and streaming. And it's like, you know, if, if it was any other profession and I said, Hey, who wants to fight over fractions of, of fractions of a cent? Like everyone would be like, you're crazy. But in the music industry, it's like the thing. And it's in, it, blo it blows my mind. Like for you to make minimum wage as an artist, you have to have anywhere between 800,000 to 2 million streams per month. It's, it's not, wow. music sales is not a viable revenue stream in our opinion. It's more of a marketing tool. It's what you use to find people that will support your career. Now, if you want to make money from your music, the best thing that you can do is drive people to your website and have, you know, a website that where you can sell your own music and allow people to pay what they want because true music patrons will actually pay you more for your 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 single than a dollar they might pay Absolutely. you five they might pay you 20. one of our clients just had someone just donate a hundred dollars to him just because they love who he is and what he does it's you know it's it's about cutting out the middleman of what's going on and the music industry has a lot of middlemen everyone's yeah. taking a percentage of musicians career the reason why you know streaming services have to you know, charge so little is because they're not making enough money to keep themselves. Like, no, there's no, you know, there's no streaming service to my knowledge. It's actually turning a profit. Like they're all paying software companies or paying labels. Um, you know, it's, it's not a profitable business, even though they're making billions of dollars. Um, so there's really not a lot left money left over for the average musician. So the best thing musicians can do is build a direct to sales relationship with their audience. And that's where the money can come in from music sales. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And driving people to your website that not only uh, enables them to buy your music and, and like you said, pay what they want, then there's also the merchandise and whatever right. memberships you have. You have your Patreon yeah. link on there. there. It kind of opens up other doors. Yeah, and we don't, I mean, there's not really, I don't want to say CDs are big. It depends on where you're at and depends on what your genre is. You know, CDs, mm. they aren't really making disc drives anymore for, for computers. So it makes yeah. CD sales tough. I have one left in my house. One machine yeah, with a, <laughs> that I could even put a CD into. It's really tough. Um, but on the flip side, like, you know, CD sales are still big in, in Europe. So if you are a musician mm. over there, that makes sense. Um, if you're touring over there, that makes sense. Um, but vinyl is, is can be a, a good size revenue stream if that's what you're audience into like for the gaming industry that we're in like vinyl's huge but it's because it's a collector's item. really yeah vinyl's tremendous because it's it's all about the artwork and the special limited edition and gamers like displaying their vinyl um and it's you know it, it is a big thing but again you have to figure out what your audience is into if you play the blues and you have like an older audience then vinyl and cd sales are in your future if you know you're like you know not in that area you're just a rock and roll or, or, you know, hip hop artist or a country singer, maybe vinyl won't be the right thing, 
you know, right fit for you. It really depends on what your audience into, you know, the demand that's there for them. Gotcha. TJ, were you going to say something there as well? Uh, I was just going to say they, when you're talking about driving people to your website, like how important it is to capture emails um, and get, when we are talking direct to fan relationships, get their email um, so you can sell everything you ever release to them direct and you can run all those sales through your website. Yes, that's awesome. So um, it always makes, go it ahead. Al- yeah, it always makes me cringe when, when people put up links to iTunes <laughs> um, to sell their music because we always say you got to think of the lifetime of your customer. If you send somebody to iTunes and they buy a $9.99 album, you'll make $7 and you'll never hear from them again. But if you send them to your site, not only will you make 100% of the profit, but you can capture their email and then sell them for the rest of you know your natural life. You could just continue emailing them on new merch, new releases, all that stuff. And if you send them to iTunes, you're going to have to catch them again in, in your in your in your funnel. Otherwise, they're gone. So you got to send them to your site, put their email on your list. You don't necessarily, when we tell people you need to have a newsletter, they always cringe. They're like, ooh, I got to make a newsletter all the time. It's not about the newsletter. It's about the email list. It's about the list of contacts. This is awesome. And I think a lot of people will be surprised by this because I think there's a tendency to think of email as something old, right? Something like outdated. And so a lot of people, I think listening to this will say, well, you know, I have, I have an Instagram account. What do I need email for? And I think you're, you're kind of touching on it there is it gives you that direct access. Uh, what do you call it? Direct to direct to customer, direct to customer, direct sales. It just Yeah. Direct. It gives you that direct access to them. So maybe talk about that a little bit more about maybe some strategies for getting that email address some email capture strategies and, uh, Maybe elaborate a little more on the the marketing importance and how people should be using that email marketing technique. Um, yeah, I mean, it, the the email aspect of it is extraordinarily important. So the, the technique for doing that essentially is, you know, you're you're you have like what we call the customer funnel. So a customer funnel is basically the way you attract your audiences, the way that you engage with them, and then the way that you monetize them. And then when we say monetize, that is either selling them something or capturing their email address. Um, so what you want to do is, you know, the, basically, you know, there's like a buyer's journey where it's like, you know, the, 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 the process of buyer goes through is they're searching for new music. They come across your stuff. They listen to it. Your goal at that point in time in the journey is to get them to listen to your music to the point or your videos to the point where they like you enough or they, maybe they want to find out more information about you. So you need to have links on your, your, your social media channels or your YouTube um, or anywhere you can to drive them to the next stage of the funnel, which would be getting them to your website where they can learn more information about who you are. Um, once on your website, they can read your bio, they can look at pictures, they can do other things, um, but you want to have an email sign up form right directly there um, with a call to action for like, hey, Sign up for my mailing list, get a free download or some sort of incentive um, to capture that email address. And if they sign up, then it's not only gives you their contact information, um, which is obviously the key goal, but it's it's more than that. It's like, you know, a lot of people think, you know, you hear um, online a lot, like, you know, it's about owning the connection with your audience, which is a major part. Being able to directly message your audience is key, but it's not just that. It's what it signifies. There's a big difference between Instagram and email marketing. And the difference is this. When someone gives you their email address, it's personal. You're saying, and, and, and it's what that personal act says. It's what's really important about the email address. It says, I want to be kept up to date on your career. And when someone says that to you, they're saying that they're possibly open 
to buying something from you. Now, mm. on Instagram, you can DM people all day long, but just because someone follows you on Instagram doesn't mean they're, they're, they're willing to support your career from a financial level. Someone that gives you their email address is at least open to that premise. That's why it's so important to focus on email addresses. Not only that, but you shouldn't put, like an email address is never going away. It is old school, but like it's not going away. You need an email address for everything. Social media platforms, as much as you don't think they're going to go away, like tell that to the musicians that were on MySpace right. and, you know, all this stuff in yeah, the news right now with TikTok. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's terrible. And even, you know, we have a lot of artists that are on TikTok and now they're talking about banning TikTok. Right. So a change in an algorithm or anything else, and you can find your, your entire music career completely destroyed but if you have an email address then you have the ability to contact your audience and that's key and as far as email messaging and marketing concerns is like you know the, the stats are there it's like email marketing once something's in your inbox there's a, more of a chance people are open it people will click on it people will see it on instagram and other social media platforms you're fighting with an algorithm you're never going to be able to fully understand and that's really tough you know like the reach on facebook is ridiculous the low because they want you to pay for advertising, you know, right. and that's the end game is, you know, I see a lot of artists spending money on Instagram advertising because they don't have a choice. Like you, you can't really get or find new people on there um, by just organic reach. It's really tough. And if you are following too many people in a day that you can get your account blocked, there are so many pitfalls and it's really dangerous to allow a third party to own your communication with your audience because anything happens to that third party, your business and all the work that you've done to your career up until this point can be gone because they decide all of a sudden, you know what, your, your account maybe is, you know, flagged and we just, you know, maybe it's a technical error. We don't care. And you can't, you know, contact customer support at Instagram. It doesn't even exist. So yeah. <laughs> an email, <laughs> an email address allows you your freedom. It allows you to contact your audience. It allows you to, you know, own your audience. Even if your website goes down, you still have those addresses and you can contact those people. People in our business that, you know, does that do online sales like this, everyone says like your email list is your lifeline. And it is absolutely 100% true. Um, and musicians really need to take that seriously. In terms of how to get people to your question, how to get them onto your newsletter, Greg mentioned, you know, incentives like a free download or something like that. But I don't want to downplay like the importance of just asking them. Um, like, yeah, if you like, if you tell people that it's important to you on your social channels, if you say, "Hey, please sign up for my newsletter because I'm trying to, you know, start my business and I'm starting to get get my music career off the ground," it would really help me out if you do it. People will do it. There's a reason that every YouTuber at the end of every YouTube video goes like and subscribe. It's because that works. People hear it and they say, oh, yeah, I forgot. I should do that for my friend or, you know, for this guy I like on, on YouTube. Um, it, and people just don't do that. You know, they don't. You should say it as much as you can. You should tell people it's important to you. I mean, otherwise, they don't know. It's just about asking for what you want sometimes. Um, and it's more effective than people than the people realize. Right, right. I really like that. As opposed to, I mean, sure, giving away stuff is great, but yeah, just ask is a <laughs> it's a really good strategy. <laughs> and I was talking to my wife about this the other day because she actually works in in marketing, and we were talking about email addresses and this thing. We're like, we'll run into like you know younger people, quote unquote. Like we're not old people, but we'll run into people who like 
don't really use email. They don't like check their email every day. But we were, we were talking about like, is email going to go away? And she basically said exactly what you guys just said, which is that no, because ultimately you still need some kind of digital address and email is cross-platform. Like I can't DM you. I can't send you a tweet on Instagram, right? Those are like platform specific communications, but we can email each other from all these different areas. So I, I, I think it is kind of a, a safe long-term bet. Yeah, it, it just is. I mean, yeah, I, I have no other recommendation besides that. It really is just key. And I remember when we first started going, we had a really young musician come and work with us and uh, she was, you know, running, you know, her, her career. And she was just like, I just need Instagram. I don't need all that. And it's just like, just do me a favor. Just one night, just when you go to play your show, just collect email addresses, walk around after the show, talk to people and see how that goes. And like, I, it was, I saw her like a month later and she was just like, I'm obsessed with email addresses. I'm getting such a <laughs> better response. You know, people are talking to me. They feel it's more personal. I'm getting more response on there because it's true. It's like, you know, the people that sign up for your ma- mailing list are on there because they actually care. They might not right. see it right away, but they're there because there was something about you, whether they're your friend or whatever, that they want it to follow and know more about you. So like to them, that's you know, important. So it, it really does work. You just need to kind of, you know, sometimes the old school stuff is the best stuff. Yeah, for sure. So, so with this direct to customer stuff, whether it's emails or your website, you know, I think this is where we can start talking a little bit about branding and what it means as an artist to build a brand. So maybe say first, what do we even mean when we say your brand as an artist? What, what does that mean? All right, that's, this is actually a really important thing, probably the most important thing you'll hear us talk about. And to be honest with you, when we first started doing this, we didn't realize how important a brand was. Now, when people think of a brand, they think of your wardrobe, you think of your font, you think of your color scheme, you think of your band name, you think of your logo. That's your brand identity. Those are the visual elements of your brand. That's not your entire brand. And it's the rest of your brand that is the most important aspect of it. Mm. So... In addition to the visual elements of a musician's brand, there are the emotional elements. Who are you as an artist? What things are you passionate about? What does your music and career stand for? Those are the emotional hooks of your career and what people gravitate towards when people are considering following you. So when people listen to your music, they like it. That's great. When they start researching your background and reading your bio and watching interviews that you're in, it's your personality traits that they're going to connect with. And that's what you, that's what your branding is all about. It's communicating who you are as a person and what your career stands for, um, to your audience and communicating that in a way that resonates with them because it's like building friendships with people. It's, you know, if you want to get support out of your audience, they need to be your friends. They need to be your family. Um, and that's what your brand does. So when we talked earlier on about the buyer's journey, going through that entire process, what pulls people through that emotional journey is your brand. It's the emotion and stories that you put behind your career that people connect with. And that's what converts a casual follower into a fan and then a fan into a financial supporter. So branding is really, 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 really important. So that, that stuff you talk about, the, the maybe the non-visual stuff, is that something that you're refining as well? Or is your goal there just to be, you know, kind of as genuine, as authentic as you can, just kind of make your personality your, and your, your personal life story 
your authentic personal life story, the brand, or is it something you were kind of tweaking and adjusting? It's always something you're tweaking and adjusting, I think, to some extent. Um, it's, it's what we call your signature sales story, and it's, it's, it is comprised of, of who you are, um, and it is about being genuine to those things, but sometimes you don't even really know yourself some really well enough to kind of put that out there. Sometimes you need to spend some time soul searching, being like, this is what I really am passionate about. Um, and being able to communicate that is an important aspect of that entire, you know, process. Um, but it's, it's, it is difficult. It, it is more than just being genuine because, you know, uh, even though you can show the genuine side for your brand, there are some artists that don't do that. You know, you can create a persona, you know, for yourself as well, if that's what you feel more comfortable doing. And, and there are artists that do that all the time. You know, you see like, you know, bands like, you know, Daft Punk and whatnot that have like an alter, you know, side of them that isn't who they are as people, but it is what their music brand right. is. Um, but artists do it all the time. And it's, it's, you really should take notice of it. Like people like Madonna and David Bowie, they always would change for every single mm. album. They have a new theme. They have a new story behind what they were coming out with and giving that experience to their audience. So in addition to just kind of highlighting the key elements of who you are, there are also the brand elements and story you want to put behind your releases and stuff as well. We, we usually say, go with yourself, go with your authentic self, because that's the easiest and most honest you know, presentation of yourself. The, the problem with saying that to somebody, though, is then they just kind of think, they just kind of go about their day and, and do things as they would do. But it's really a, like a conscious thing that we have people sit down and really consider, you know, the things that they're about and the things that are important mm. to them. Um, and then we, 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 we have them choose, you know, like five what we call themes of, of uh, like your career, you know, like what, like, okay, you're charitable and you know, like you want to fight the man and you, but you'll also like to party or like, you know, those are just like random examples of different kinds of themes you could have. And then we make sure that of those five themes you, you just chose, they are represented in everything that you put forward in some way. Um, so like every, throwaway Instagram post or Instagram story you have, one of those themes is in some way vaguely mm -hmm. presented to the audience in that way. And then you realize once, the, once you kind of consciously do that, you, you, you just have this like kind of newfound cohesion among everything that you are presenting to people. And it, it's very effective. Okay. So let's say, you know, I'm an artist and I understand what you guys are saying here about branding and about the, the revenue streams that are available to me. The word business plan may not have crept up into my conscience yet. Talk a little bit about a business plan, what it is in context of a musician. Once you accept the fact that your music career is a business, because that's exactly what it is, you need to have a plan. Because any time you're going into business, every business out there has a business plan. And what a business plan is, is a strategy and a list of basically everything you need to have and everything you need to do to create your business. And it just kind of lays everything out. From a musician's standpoint, it has multiple things. The two key factors of your business plan for a musician are your niche and brand. So basically what makes you an artist and all the things that kind of incorporate that and what mm. makes you stand out and your genre and all that kind of stuff. And then your audience, what makes up all the things of who your audiences are? What are their likes? What are their dislikes? Where are they from? All the, all the basic general information about them. In between 
you and your audience are all the things that you need to have to deliver your music to to your audience. So things like your like services, so your social media channels, your website, things like that. Um, and then there are all the things that you need. So like your key resources, you need music, I need equipment to record, I need, you know, ways to shoot my social media photography, whatever that is. Um, and then there's also all the things you need to do. So all the activities, I need to record music, I need to write social media posts, I need to, um, you know, whatever else you need to do, like all the activities that you need to be working on. Um, it also includes all your team members, all the people that you need in your organization to help do your career. Now, in the beginning, a lot of that work's gonna be done by you because you're the by yourself or what whatnot. But over time, like you'll need someone to record your music. You'll need like a social media manager. You'll need an actual booking agent or things of that nature. Um, and then there, the end of the business plan has what we call an unfair advantage. Um, and what an unfair advantage is, is even though you're not, you're not technically in competition with your other, with other musicians as far as, you know, vying for whatever, but it is a very competitive space. So as a musician, you need to be thinking of ways to make your job easier and things that will give you a leg up, things that will save you time and money. And that's what an unfair advantage is. Maybe, you know, a photographer that will shoot your, you know, your, your pictures for free, or you have an engineer that will record you for free, or you have a home recording studio. Anything that makes your life easier, you want to make sure that you're always looking for that leg up. And then last but not least is your income, your revenue streams, basically ways that you make money, and your expenses, all the overhead costs that go along with your career. Um, and you need to kind of we have an entire what we call an artist canvas um, that is kind of visually lays this out. And you know, when you're first starting off, it's it's it does a couple of things. First off, it lets you know actually everything that goes into building your career, which a lot for a lot of our our clients is overwhelming because it's like you don't realize how much goes into building a music career until you actually sit down and are confronted with it face to face. But once you kind of absorb that and sit down, it becomes this really cool exercise of what do I want my career to be? And it's as much as there are standard things that you'll share with every musician, like you'll do social media, you'll have live shows, all that kind of stuff. It's still a certain amount of a discovery process. We, I, we always say it's like, it's like you want to look at your business plan as pieces to a puzzle. And your job as a musician is to figure out what pieces you need to put together that will build your successful career. And so there is a certain amount of learning about your audience and incorporating what you learn about them into your business plan. But that's the premise behind what your business plan does. And it's really an important aspect because when you can sit down and look at this visual representation and say, okay, I need to have social media channels, I need a website, um, I'm gonna need some, I'm need some way to manage my social media pages. And like, you can look at everything step by step the overwhelmingness, the feeling of overwhelmingness that comes from building a music career, even though it's still overwhelming, goes away a little bit when you can see it all on paper and say, you know what, I can do all this. It might take me a while, but I can do each one of these things. And over time, it, you can, and it just takes a while to develop. But it is absolutely essential to every musician. I can definitely attest to what you're saying, having, having seen the... Uh what is it, the canvas? What's artist canvas? Yeah, yeah, the artist. Yeah, having looked at the artist canvas, that was exactly the feeling I had. I was like, oh, 
it's all here. And now that it's mapped out, it kind of lets you now start taking, like we always say, you know, eating the elephant one bite at a time. It lets you take this right. really complex thing, break it up into these small manageable pieces that you can think about one at a time, which is just that visualization exercise I found to be super helpful. Yeah, I, we find that musicians are visual people. So we try to make ever, all of our materials very visual or have, you know, hey, if you don't like this example, here's a different example. You can do this instead or, or whatnot. But that's, it is important to see for whatever, for whatever reason, whoever, whatever you know, genetic makeup musicians have, we just find the visual aspects are very important. And, and once you can visualize your career, then it becomes something tangible that your brain will start to start solving. It's like, okay, I see all the things I need to do. Now your brain will start trying to solve those problems versus without a business plan, you have no clear vision of what you're trying to create. Like if you're trying to create a career without a business plan, it's, it's really daunting because how do you know what kind of career you're building unless you know, unless you just take the time to kind of sit down and say, this is the career I'm trying to create. It's very, yes. it's, it's very difficult. And what I like there is you're, yeah, I think you said he'll come back on his computer. What, what I like there is I think what you're saying is too that it, it gives you both the high level stuff, kind of the direction you want to head, as well as then breaking that down into what are you doing on a week to week basis, whether it's your social media strategy or whatever else, right. which once you do that, I mean, that's kind of what we talk about on this podcast all the time is like, once you can break that down into, okay, what's my next small task? And then you wake up and you say, oh, my next small task is A. And then you can just do A and you feel good and you check it off and you keep going. And that's kind of how you yes. can build something really big. Yeah, I, I think the biggest, one of the biggest problems we had with, with our clients was, and, and, and musicians in general, is you, if hitting that emotional plateau of like, I don't feel like I'm moving forward. I don't know what to work on next. Right. And like, that's really troublesome when you're it's already hard enough mentally to kind of go overcome the obstacles that you currently have but you need to know what you need to be working on um so that was the key thing it's like you know a lot of musicians when they start it's just like i love music i'm gonna release music and i'm just gonna kind of figure it out as i go along and that doesn't work because you're then you're always reacting to you know what you need that you should have had in place already that you don't necessarily have in place um right. but if you take the if you take the time before, like once you decide you want to be a professional musician, if you take the time, you know, a couple of months just to sit down and just, you know, or even a few weeks just to go through and it's like, this is, this is, I'm going to plan out my career. This is what I'm going to do. And this is what I need to do to get set up and get everything set up and do it. It's way, you're going to have a much easier career than just trying to react to everything. I always give a, the, um, example of like opening a restaurant. If you're going to open a restaurant, you wouldn't just start serving food to people. You would, you know, create a marketing plan. You would create a menu. You'd hire employees. You do all the things you need to do to get your, your restaurant ready. And then when everything was in place, you'd open the doors to the public. But that's not what musicians do. They just automatically try serving food to people. And that doesn't work. You need to have everything else in order to kind of make it a successful business. How do musicians become more savvy? What are the resources they have to learn some of these skills you're talking about. When we first started out doing this, I for, we really felt like this wasn't going to be that big of a deal. We figured we'd be able to piece together a program relatively easily because we knew so much about the industry. Um, but when we really kind of delved into like looking at what independent musicians go through, it's way more complicated. There is so much information out there. There We spent a year 
the first year that we, we started working for MIC, we spent a year just researching all the online platforms out there, the websites, the services that claim they can get you signed, the promotional platforms, just to see what worked and what didn't work. And there were mm. so many services out there that just had bad information and misleading information. Um, it's, as a musician, it's, I think the hardest thing that musicians have to encounter is who can you trust? I mean, there's already this, this, this amount of mistrust when it comes from musicians to the industry because a lot of stories about people from the industry taking advantage of musicians and it's it's true um so it's finding it's it is about finding you know people that you can trust it is about having a, a you know a program that will allow you to learn the business aspect of everything without you having to sit down and like learn learn an entire business degree like you 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 talked about it earlier like when you want to become you know an engineer you focus all that time on recording now that's becoming proficient at something when you want to become proficient proficient at something you have to spend a lot of hours doing it musicians don't have the time to become proficient at music and proficient at business and proficient at recording and proficient at everything else right. so there are certain areas that if you want to be proficient at it and that's your thing you focus on it. For most musicians, business, you do need to be somewhat proficient, but you don't need to spend 10 years studying it before you can do anything. And that's pretty much what our goal was. Our goal was to simplify the process of building a music career um, into a step-by-step -step process that everyone can follow. And that we didn't, to be honest with you, we didn't think was possible. I mean, we always felt there had to be a certain amount of human on the job coaching that needs to be done. Sure. And that's still relatively true. Um, but we didn't think there was a, a, a linear process to it that everyone could follow because everyone's different. So there has to be a certain amount of flexibility, you know, to everyone's career because everybody's different. Um, but the way that we actually developed our program allows you the flexibility to hop around if you need to, so to speak, like in our program, we have a very, this is what you follow. But if all of a sudden you have a live show pop up and you need to figure out how to do that, bam, you can pop ahead and, and, and work on those items that you need to work on and then come back to where you were at and just continue to follow it. So long story short, there is a process to it. And, and a lot of the process isn't sexy. It's not like, you know, <laughs> most, most, most musicians start with the, the last phase, which is creating music and trying to earn money. And the second to last phase, which is growing your audience. The first three phases or three courses in our program are the most important. The first part of it is creating a business plan organizing yourself, creating internal administration, like how to find contacts, how to organize those contacts, how to organize your music files, how to organize a calendar, all things that you need to do to have a run a business. Um, and then, you know, inching your way up to building your customer funnel, your online channels, creating your brand, um, creating a calendar for your releases. How often are you going to release music? How often are you going to release videos? How often are you going to release social media posts? And how often are you going to work on creating those things? Like you need to create a year calendar so you know what right. to work on. And you know, it's a little more planned out and you're not just throwing it together. And then from there, there's the whole legal and financial aspects of your career. You know, you need to know a little bit about contracts. You need to make sure that you're registered all your music. Um, you need to understand taxes. You need to understand how to, you know, understand the difference between your expenses and income and, and, and how to, you know, make sure that when you're investing in something that, you have some sort of way to make that money back. And that's something that most users also don't do. And so there's, there's a, a process there, but if you take the time to set yourself up to where 
your online channels work together, your music registered, your have a business plan, you have a brand, then when you go out to play a live show, it's not just wasted effort because that's most of the time what happens. If you go out and play a live show and you're not collecting email addresses, you've wasted that show. If you go out and you, you know, go to a, a music convention and you don't collect anyone's contact information, you've wasted the point of going to that conference. The point is, is to network and meet people and learn. If you're not doing those things, you're not you know, improving your situation. And mm. you, there are a certain amount of things from your business side of things that you need to have in place. You, can't, you shouldn't release your music until it's copywritten. You shouldn't release your music until it's registered. Lots of people do that. You know, and you know, all that kind of stuff really matters. And it's like, you know, hey, I'm gonna go shoot my next photographer, you know, my next photo shoot. A lot of people do that before they know what their brand looks like. So that photo shoot winds up not being what the photo shoot should be if you had a really clear vision for your brand. Um, and that's what we kind of call, you know, having a roadmap before recording. Like you need to know what you're doing with your music before you go and record it. You know, and again, that's not when it's a hobby. If it's just for fun, then you can go and do that. But once you want it to be your profession, you need to pause and really think about it and say, mm. okay, this is what I'm trying to do. How am I going to go about doing that? How am I going to spend my time? How am I going to spend my money? And a lot of musicians are, for the most part, short or at least have to budget their time and money because it's expensive to record and do everything. They have to live. They have to eat. Um, and then from a timing standpoint, most musicians are working a day job, if not two. And then how do you squeeze personal time in there and music recording and everything else? Um, so, you know, again, we, our program simplifies that entire process. It just says, here's what you need to work on. If you do this each day, it'll help you step-by-step step move closer. Um, and if you get stuck for help, it's not just a video course um, that you can kind of take and watch and implement and everything. Um, you also have access to our community of musicians that are doing what you're doing. So if you need to talk and collaborate with other musicians, that's a big part of your career. Um, that's, that's a big part of our company initiative is to build a community of other musicians because building a music career by yourself is difficult. Um, and if you, unless you have a band and other people to work with, it's really tough. And most musicians don't have that. Most musicians are solo artists. So what does a solo artist do if they don't have friends that are willing to help them? Well, you can work with other solo artists that are doing just what you're doing. And that's what a lot of our clients do. And it's been a beautiful thing. We've really been working on our group sessions. And, you know, when musicians are in there and saying, hey, I'm having problems with this recording thing. You know, one of my friends will hop on there and say, oh, great. I do recording. I can help you with that. Or, hey, I don't really know how to design my website. Oh, great. You should talk to so-and-so. They're a graphic artist. They can help you with that entire right. thing. And to see everyone kind of pitch in to help each other, that's our, what our vision is. It's like once you once you possess those business skills and have that infrastructure, and that, that knowledge, then that gives you the tools and the power to go out there and collaborate with your fellow musicians and work together to make your careers happen. And if one person becomes successful, that just helps everyone else become successful because it, there's strength in numbers when it comes to that kind of thing. And that's kind of what our initiative is. So we have, you know, the expert coaching from like myself and TJ, you have the community of other musicians, and then you have the step-by-step -step program that all the musicians follow to kind of walk them through that basic knowledge that you really need to have in place to be successful. That's awesome. So where can people find you guys in the work you're doing? Um, you can find us on our website at musicianindiecoalition.com 
or you can find us on Instagram under, I should know this off the top of my head, but I don't. I think it's just Musician Indie. Um, but that's, <laughs> we'll that's probably links. the best way to follow it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put all the links in the show notes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about the signature sales story? Um, the signature sales story is the simplified version of developing your brand. Because um, we found that it was so critical to a musician's success that it needed a kind of some special loving it and step-by-step process. So um, what the Signature Sales Story program is, um, which we are giving away for free to everyone listening right now, um, what it'll walk you through will be um, a step-by-step process on educating you between the difference of music marketing versus music promotion, which are two very distinct different things, um, and the importance of building a brand and what a signature sales story is. And what your signature sales story is is basically the tools that you you use to communicate your brand to your audience um, and how you go about doing that. Um, so the signature sales story will walk you through that entire process. Um, it helps you develop your brand. So all the visual elements, you know, from your logo to your color scheme to your fonts to your wardrobe um, to the personalities you use. Like people, you know, TJ created these great, musician archetypes, everything from like a leader to a joker to, uh, you know, sex symbol and all that kind of stuff. But like people, music personas, they they have that out there. So it's important to have as a musician as well. Um, And it just kind of walks you through that entire process of developing it step by step. So by the time you're done taking the signature sales story course that we're giving, um, you'll have a fully developed brand um, and you'll have, you'll know the way that you should be implementing it um, into your career. Um, and it will help you transform your casual followers into fans and then hopefully eventually then fans into financial supporters. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I've been I've been checking it out and the marketing versus promotion thing really kind of was a, a face slap moment for myself a decade ago. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, I did this so wrong. I should I could I could write a textbook on how not to do it. Very cool. Well, definitely. Thank you guys for for making that available to our listeners. I highly recommend Everybody check it out. I think I'm about halfway through it now. And uh, like I said, a lot of aha moments there for me personally. Cool. Well, anything else to add, guys? I think the only other thing that we wanted to add was, uh, yeah, in addition to the free um, thing, that if anyone wanted to um, book a free session with us, we'll have a link for that too. Just email us and say, hey, I heard you guys on DIY you know, show and say, you know, just let us know that uh, you'd like to book a free consultation and we give out that to any musician. Um, musicians have the opportunity. We just believe to have the opportunity to just say, hey, this is what I'm going through. What do you think? And we'll give it, you know, it doesn't mean you have to work with us. It's just about us kind of giving you our advice on what, where you're at and what we think you should do. That's great. Yeah. And again, we'll put all the, uh, the you can check the show notes for the links to the, the email address and then also to the, uh, the website and the signature sales story. All right. Anything else, Greg, since we can still hear you? I th- I think we're good. Um, as long as there's anything else that you don't want to know from us, we know a lot. <laughs> oh, there's so much I want to know from you, but uh, yeah, I want to be respectful of your time as well. And uh, yeah, I hope I hope you guys will come back and do more. I mean, especially I think as people keep recording music, these topics that you're talking about are always going to be important and relevant. And like I said, I, I know from from firsthand experience, and I'm sure you know this as musicians as well. You can get so bogged down in the music creation process that some of these things can start to seem secondary. And I would argue that even if you're a hobbyist, on some level, this is helpful information because you're still making music. You still want to get it out there. You still want to kind of maximize your reach, like I said. So 
Uh, I think the stuff you're, you guys are teaching both on the Instagram, through your free content and through your courses, which I've checked out a little bit, is, is really valuable for, for our community. Yeah, I, I think I, you're right. I mean, no matter what, it, it, you should always be learning. You should always be learning things that help you and make you better and doing self-improvement in that way. Um, it just makes you a stronger person. Um, so again, even if you're not going to pursue a career, like you said, it's, it's worth it. Or even if you're, your, your goal is to try to get signed by a record label, like it's, it's important for you to be an entrepreneur because that's what the industry is looking for. They're looking for people that have a business, you know, that they can invest in and not just music anymore, sadly. Right. But we and we'd love to come back if I didn't say that already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I would I would definitely love to have you guys come back. There's I think there's so much more we could have uh, we could have touched on. So thank you, thank you for taking the time to do this. I really enjoyed it, and uh, I look forward to keep learning from the content you guys are putting out. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it, and we love being here. And I can tell by the expression on TJ's face, he loved being here too. <laughs> <laughs> If you're enjoying the podcast, take a minute to leave a rating wherever you like to listen to it or share it with your friends on social media. Also, Benjamin and I are working engineers and we love helping people turn ideas into finished productions. So if you're interested in working with one of us or just want to discuss a project you're working on, reach out. You can find my work at calmfrogrecording.com. Get me on Instagram at calmfrogrecording or shoot me an email vk at calmfrogrecording.com and you can check Benjamin's workout at dreamloudstudio.com hit him up on Instagram at dreamloudstudio or by email ben at dreamloudstudio.com and finally join our Facebook group to engage with a whole group of friendly like-minded people who are interested in DIY recording just search for DIY recording guys on Facebook thank you so much for listening and for your continued support See you next week.